Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Hey, are you ready for some creepy ass shit? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. I know I've been slacking on my um creepy content. I know you miss it, and I got you. So stick around. I'll be right back right after these commercials. Screaming Chewing Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Screaming Chewy Show. And um, I, I'm hoping that you're ready for some fucked up shit, alright? This is 10 bizarre unsolved crimes from around the world. Yeah, some pretty graphic details on deaths and murder. And they're all unsolved, so real cases of the killer has never been found. So I hope the lights are off and... I hope you're ready to get fucking freaked out, right? Gonna be looking out your window and shit, looking over your shoulder all the time. So number one, the Setagaya Family Massacre. Yeah, took place in, guess, guess, you, yeah, Tokyo, you got it. Tokyo, Japan on December 31st, 2000. Mikio Miyasawa. Along with his wife and two children were murdered in their Setagaya-based home in western Tokyo. Mikio's son Ray was strangled in his sleep while the rest of the family members were stabbed to death. Yeah, right away into some fucked up shit, right? Now, why one strangled and the other ones stabbed? If you ask me, they're both pretty fucking personal and violent ways of killing somebody pretty fucked up but you know what's more fucked up what's shocking is that the murderer remained inside the house for several hours after these assassinations yeah so the murderer fucking strangled and stabbed the shit out of the rest of the family they just chilled in the fucking house right eat their snacks yo watch their netflix huh who knows what else right take a shit i don't know But, um, yeah, the murderer used the home computer, prepared tea, used the toilet, yeah, and sanitary products, told you, and even slept on the sofa. Damn, he took a fucking nap? I guess murdering people is pretty fucking, you know, exhausting, right? If you ask me. The family computer was last connected to the internet at 10 a.m. the next morning. So he spent the night. Around this time, Asahi, the mother of Mikio's wife, Yasuko, Yasuko, had, yeah, my bad, I'm butchering these names. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I fucking suck at this shit, or I suck at pronouncing foreign names and from any country, Russian, Middle Eastern, Japanese, I always fuck it up. So, my bad. Mikio's wife, Yasuko, had come to the house. She had been trying to reach her daughter since last night and worried 
so she came to check on them. Asahi was the one who discovered this horrific incident first. The murderer had left several DNA traces across the house. The investigation stated that the murderer did not belong to the Miyasawa family as his blood group was type A. The police had further investigated that the murderer was a male and he had both European and Asian ancestry in his DNA. The police even took assistance from the International Criminal Police Organization as they thought the murderer could be from Korea or China. Investigators are still going on. Yeah. In 2015 and 2019, 40 police officers were assigned respectively to find the killer. However, this crime is still unresolved. Yeah. Very weird. Very mysterious. But not as weird and mysterious as this one, alright? Yeah, happened in the 1940s, alright? Exactly November 30th, 1948. The body of a well-dressed man was found on Somerton Beach, Australia. There were no traces of violence on his body. The witnesses had, had observed a half-smoked cigarette on his collar. Initial reports had stated that this man was either poisoned or he had died of cardiac failure. It was difficult to identify him as no ID or name tags were found. The only belongings found in his pocket were a packet of cigarettes, two combs, matches, chewing gum, and tickets to the beach. The autopsy report of this man was also not very helpful for the investigation. The only information obtained pointed to poisoning, but no poison was found in his blood. Some found athletic aspects to his body. Some experts also said that he could be a ballet dancer as his toes were odd and wedge-shaped. I just wanna dance. The man's fingerprints were circulated all over Australia with the hope of identifying him. The local people of Adelaide, Adelaide were also all contacted so that a name could be found. However, all these efforts went in vain. When the police were about to dismiss all investigations, they found a suitcase at the Adelaide railway station that was left there on guess, yeah, November 30th. It was believed to be the dead man's, yeah. The things found in the suitcase included, are you ready for this? What do you think's in there, huh? Take a guess. All right, all right, all right, we'll see, we'll see. Okay, so it included clothes, screwdrivers, cuffs, scissors, etc. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> was that what you thought it was? Because it wasn't what I thought it was. Even though the identification marks from all clothes were removed, the cops found that the name T. Kian, or yeah, K-E-A-N-E, T. Kian, on a tie, Using this name, a detailed search was performed in all English-speaking countries. With the help of international assistance, however, the man remained unidentified. Around this time, a tiny piece of paper was found in a hidden pocket of the man's trousers. And the plot thickens. And it read, Taman Shud, 
This was a Persian phrase taken from a rare poetry book named the Rubiat of Omar Khayyam. The phrase meant it is ended. This newfound evidence suggested that it could be suicide as no missing reports were filed describing this man. The body was later buried. Through several theories made the rounds, the actual cause of his death is still unknown. So what do you think, right? A body with no identity, no labels on his clothes, a fucking note that says some fucking crazy ass phrase saying it ended. I don't know, maybe he was a spy, right? From some other country. Maybe he was a MK Ultra victim. Fact is, we'll never know. In 1968, you ready for this? December 1968, a man dressed in a Tokyo Metropolitan Police uniform robbed Nihon Shintaku Bank. As of the exchange rates of that year, this man had successfully stolen $817,500. The man behind this heist was smart enough to wave down a car of Nihon Shintaku Bank. When he told the four bank employees in that the, the car that their branch manager's house had been blown up and there was dynamite planted within the car, the employees got out of the car in terror. The young man then entered the vehicle and started fake searching for dynamite. The employees could see smoke and the young man warned them that the car was about to explode. This was then the bank employees ran away in terror and the mysterious man drove away with the car full of money. The police tracked down the car which was abandoned at a park and afterward the man drove off on a motorcycle. The police did not find any trace of the man after that. In the hurry to resolve the case fast, all youths of Western Tokyo with a motorcycle were brought in for interrogation. 1975, the Statue of Limitations was also passed so that the robber could surrender without getting prosecuted. This didn't help either. After 50 years, the case remains an unsolved crime. Sounds like the Asian D.B. Cooper, if you ask me. <laughs> So this mystery, I mean, it could be a, another conspiracy, maybe something political. Who knows? But the fact is that in 1995, Gerhun Chioki Niyama, or Naima, then six years old, was chosen as the 11th reincarnation of Panchen Lama. However, within three days of this revelation, this boy and his family mysteriously disappeared. The Tibetans believe that their spiritual leaders get reincarnated after their death. In Buddhism, Panchen Lama is an influential leader with major spiritual authorities. He comes second only to the Dalai Lama. The word Panchen means a great scholar. It is known that the Dalai Lama himself had selected this boy after the death of Panchen Lama's 10th reincarnation. It was heard that the Chinese government was not very happy with this choice. They believed that Jiakani Norbu, the government's selected candidate, 
was the real Panchen Lama. It is believed that the Chinese government had something to do with the dis disappearance of Chioki Nima and his family. Later, the government's candidate Jiankan Norbu occupied the position. Since Norbu became an adult, he continued to participate in important political events in China. The Chinese government has recently stated that Chioki Nyama is now living the normal life of a 31-year-old as he has graduated and has a job. He and his family do not want any interruptions and that's why their identities have been kept secret. However, there are no there are not suitable proofs to back up this statement and the whole episode still remains a mystery. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious right there, right? Now, this one is also pretty fucked up. And it's going to make you not want to travel to other countries. I'm going to be straight up with you. Because after reading this, um, yeah, I don't want to travel. <laughs> but um, Julie Ward was a budding wildlife photographer. And she was based in England. In 1988, she went on a long vacation in Africa. During her trip to Masai Mara Game Reserve, she was accompanied by an Australian named Glenn Burns. On September 5th, their vehicle had broken down and Burns had to go to Nairobi to repair the car. Ward, however, stayed back in a lodge. September 6th, when the vehicle was repaired, Ward had seen at a nearby camp collecting some equipment. Afterwards, she went missing. According to the Kenyan officials, she was either eaten by a lion or had died due to a strike of lightning. Really? Fucking lightning, yo? <laughs> However, Ward's father soon flew down to Kenya to find his missing daughter. John Ward, her father, took to the investigation in hand as he continued his search by hiring a plane. Soon. He found the vehicle and then Julie's disjointed and burnt body. Her father collected evidence that led the officials to admit that she was murdered. It was found that Julie's bones were cut up by a sharp blade and it was done by a human, not an animal. It was also found that after disjointing her body, it was set on fire. John Ward has spent over two million Australian dollars or British dollars I don't know what that is in this case and he also claimed that Kenyan government was trying to cover up the murders though three people were charged none of them ever were convicted due to a lack of evidence that's scary right I know the fuck Hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist. And man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. And this guy is keeping me busy, yo. He, yeah, I'm just getting so many celebrity guests. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner. And um, if you yourself are an actor, director, producer, and you are looking for a uh, publicist, do not hesitate to contact Steve, right? He is a really cool guy. You'll love him, okay? His phone number is 816-605-4561. Or if you would like to email him, 
It's uh, all one word, starts with a capital S, and it's Steve's J Network at gmail.com. So again, starts with a capital S, and then it's T E V E S J N E T W O R K at gmail.com. Tell him Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. I got good idea. I might get hungry later, baby. Hold this hot dog for me. <laughs> That's what it feels like when you're broke down. Oh, yeah. See, this is why when I transport weed, I only carry one gram on me, but I carry it in a, like an 800-pound safe. We are happy our news team follow us. We love Florida, man. They go damaged. They go damaged goods. Damaged goods. Damaged goods. Oh, we talk cars. No. If you don't, if you don't know where you're at, oh, I know where I'm at. Oh, but you just said, "Where am I?" Well, I was trying to like. Sit with <laughs> I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Fuck, there's a microphone. Big yellow truck driving away. I think you've had too much We are happy our news team. We are happy our news You can't. We are happy our news team follow us. Okay, so let's uh let's get back around to to our regular regularly scheduled bullshit. <laughs> yep, yep. You ready for more murder? Arushi was the only child of Rajesh and Napur Talwar. Dentist living in Delhi, India. On May 16, 2008, the Talwars discovered Arushi's body in a room. Their in house cook, Hemraj, was missing, and the initial investigations of the police confirmed that Hemraj might have killed Arushi as he tried to assault her after drinking an entire bottle of scotch. Rajesh Talwar also offered $500 to anybody who would rush to Hemraj village in Nepal to bring him back. However, the next day, Hemraj's dead body was discovered on the terrace of the same household. Yeah, what the fuck, right? Both Arushi and Hemraj were found with their throats slit. Arushi was hit on her forehead. Hemraj was hit from the back. Even though Arushi was not sexually assaulted, Traces of infection were found in her vagina. The police considered Rajesh Talwar, Arushi's father, as a prime suspect 
They believe that Rushi and Hemraj were involved in a sexual relationship and Rajesh murdered them after finding this out. The police also suspected Rajesh of an extramarital affair and said that Hemraj was blackmailing him and informed Arushi about this. So he killed them both. However, the Tarwars and their friends called this investigation a cover-up and it was later handed over to CBI. CBI suspected Rajesh's assistant and two other domestic help. The CBI believed that they were trying to sexually assault Arushi and Hemraj found out so both were killed. However, it was reported that the CBI was adopting questionable methods to convict them and these three men were released as no suitable evidence was found against them. In 2009, a new CBI team conducted the investigation and they also named Rajesh Tawar as a prime suspect. In 2013, Arushi's parents were sentenced to life imprisonment but were released in 2017 due to a lack of evidence. Up to today, it remains as one of the unsolved crimes. Yeah. Hey, how about another um, traveling murder, right? <laughs> to, uh, you know, to uh, reinforce that fear of traveling, right? Getting murdered somewhere else. In 2014, two Dutch girls named Chris Kremers and Lizanne Froon had gone hiking in Panama. They were fresh graduates and were interested in hiking. They moved to Panama intending to help the local children through volunteering. After six weeks into the vacation, these two girls went hiking in a nearby forest. They even posted on Facebook about this hike and explained that they would walk to Boquet or Boquete. Some locals had witnessed them having brunch with two Dutchmen as well. However, that very night, these girls went missing. Their parents also stopped receiving texts from them. Soon, their parents arrived in Panama and offered $30,000 as a reward to anyone who could find them. After 10 weeks of a substantial searches, Lisan's backpack was recovered along with their mobile phones, cash, passports, and camera. The call records showed that both girls had dialed emergency numbers before their phone batteries died. Their camera had over 90 flash photos taken in complete darkness. It was believed that they were near a river at that time. Some plastic bags, toilet paper, and even the back of Chris's head were also featured in those pictures. The searches were continued and after two months, Parts of their body, like their pelvis and their boots with feet, were found along with 33 scattered bones. The DNA test confirmed that they belonged to Chris and Lisanne. In 2017, their death was linked to some local murders, but no clear evidence has been found yet. Jill Dando was a popular British journalist on BBC. She hosted the show Crime Watch and discussed unresolved crimes. 
Yeah, you'll soon see the irony in this. I think you already see it coming, right? Her death became an unresolved crime. You got it. You guessed it right. On April 26, 1999, Dando returned from her father's place to her own house and Fulham around 11.32 p.m. As soon as she reached the front door, she was shot dead. The autopsy reports have revealed that the gun was pressed against her head at the time of the shooting. Execution style. One of the neighbors of Dando confirmed that he didn't hear the gunshot, but he had seen a tall man aged around 40 leaving Dando's house. At the time, the neighbors wasn't aware of her murder. After extensive investigations, some potential suspects were narrowed down by the police. This list included a jealous ex-boyfriend, a professional murdered hired by someone, some insane fan, etc. After one year of investigation, the cops identified a local man named Barry George, who had a history of stalking and abusing women. He was arrested in 2000, but was later released due to insufficient evidence. Uh-huh. Another unresolved crime. Murder. What the fuck? Ursula Herman was a 10-year-old girl living in Germany. On September 15, 1981, she was cycling from her cousin's home to her own. She was only a 10-minute distance from her house. However, she disappeared after that. After two days, her parents started receiving cryptic calls where no one was speaking and only radio jingles were played. Later, her parents received a ransom note where the kidnappers demanded $2 million. After Ursula's mother said they would pay the ransom, the kidnappers sent another ransom note stating payment instructions. After two weeks of her abduction, an extensive search was performed in the forest, and Ursula's dead body was found buried in a box. It was a furnished box with food, a radio, ventilation, etc. However, the air exchange wasn't sufficient and the forensic report stated that Ursula had died of suffocation. Warner Mazurik, a neighbor of Ursula, was considered a suspect, but he had an alibi. One of his friends told the police that Mazurik had dug a hole in the forest, but he later denied it. Afterward, this case stalled. However, in 2007, Warner Mazurik and his wife were arrested as a tape recorder was indeed found from Mazurik's home, and the police suspected that jingles were played on it. Later, Mazurik was sentenced to life imprisonment while his wife was released. However, here's the kicker. The DNA analysis performed on the, on the box where Ursula was found could not provide any proper matches. The saliva samples of Mazurik also didn't match. Hence, even though Mazurik was convicted, there was no appropriate evidence against him. Therefore, this case remained an unsolved one. Yeah, the fuck, right? I mean, they obviously try to keep the little girl alive, but uh, they fucked up. I mean, some crazy shit, right? 
Okay, so are you ready for this? This is the last one, all right? I know, I know. You want more, yes, later, okay? So, three children, Jane, Arna, and Grant, were taking a bus to Glen Glenelg Beach on January 26, 1966. However, they mysteriously disappeared and never returned to their parents. Though many people confirmed seeing them at various locations that day, nobody could tell where they had gone. The police had conducted a detailed search, but didn't find any signs of the kids. Many theories made the rounds after that. It was thought that the kids were accidentally buried while playing with sand. Some also said that they might have been kidnapped. The mother of these children, Nancy, was painfully blamed after their disappearance, and until her death, she lived an agonized life. The parents of the kids even separated due to this immense trauma. Dieter Preffing was a suspect, as he was convicted for the murder of a schoolgirl in 1983. However, no strong evidence was found against him. The government announced a $1 million reward for a report of any trace of the children. However, despite several investigations, you guessed it, the case remains unresolved. So there you have it, 10 unresolved mysteries or crimes. Most of them, unfortunately, murders. And, um... So, moral of the story, don't become one of these stories, be careful out there, and uh, you have a good night, peace. everyone thanks for tuning in and if you'd like to support this podcast you can find me at anchor.fm slash screaming chewy gmail.com there'll be three options for a monthly subscription first one i believe starts at a dollar a month yo yeah dollar a month yeah and if you don't want to that's cool you can follow me on facebook and youtube screaming chewy show for some memes some more videos for episodes and behind the scenes kind of deal, right? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy, so I should probably change it. But it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.